Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. I'm going to pray as we get started. So Jesus, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We ask you to do what you want to do with us this morning. You have full permission. We ask you to move in our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to what you want us to receive this morning. We thank you for your presence and your promises. Amen. All right. Well, as we get started this morning, um, I've really enjoyed this firm footing series. I've loved hearing um, from different people and in areas in their lives that they've come to that it's like, hey, this is an area that's like, this is one of my go-tos. This is something that I continue to use in um, our journey with the Lord. And for me this morning, a place of firm footing in my life um, is dealing with offense by being aggressive with keeping my heart clean. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I hope I don't offend anybody with my message. I'm sure I will. Um, there's so much, and I'm, I'm really excited. The first service was like warm-up, so now I'm like, woo, I really get to preach um, in second service, so watch out. Um, hopefully I won't keep us here too long. But I just, I, I feel passionate about this, and um, I'm excited to share this with you guys this morning. Um, I have a picture of a mountain climber. Of course, this is a really cute girl, but like this guy, I was trying to find a cool picture of a girl that was doing this that kind of looked like me, and I was going to be like, well, this was me in my 20s. You know, I was a rock climber, but I couldn't find one that looked like me. So I'm going to use this guy. Actually, I did do a little rock climbing um, in my 20s, but nothing to this extent. But um, as we're going through today, I just want you to keep this picture in mind. Um, this is like a serious dude, man. Like he did not decide last week, I'm just going to drive to Colorado and I'm going to scale this wall, right? He's had massive training, years, look at his shoes, look at his feet. I mean, he ain't going anywhere. Um, and as we look at this picture today, I just want you to keep that in mind as we are trying to train our muscles in the area against offense. It is a training for us to live a life free of offense. I love this book, um, The Bait of Satan by John Brevere. And if, you know, today I'm saying something, you're like, oh, this really hit home to me. This is a great reference. I've used this. I've taken two or three groups through it. It has a little study in the back, so I have people's names that I've worked through offense with. Um, it has highlighted. I mean, this is a go-to for me. And something that makes me think about this is The Bait of Satan is talking about offense is a bait. It's a way the enemy uses to trap us. And as I was thinking about this week, I started thinking about my brother. So growing up, we lived in Hearst, which is a suburb of Fort Worth. But around our house, we had woods and we had a horse pasture. It's all developed now. But when he was probably late elementary, middle school, he would go do trap. He would um, literally the traps that like, you know, you set open and then you put bait on it. He would trap like coons. And I think he got a couple of foxes through the years. Well, this one story that I was reminded of a few days ago was he liked to use um, scents many times as bait to lure his victims into his traps. And um, he ordered some and he got it in the mail. Right about three or four days before, my mom was planning a big wedding shower at our house. My mom loved to have wedding and baby showers. And so, you know, it was full blown getting the house ready. Well, you can tell where the story's going is my brother got this in the mail and he just couldn't resist. Um, just had to see what the smell smelt like. And so he just barely cracked the seal. I mean, you can hear it go, 
pss, and he stopped. But that just little pss filled our whole house up with, I don't know if it was a skunk smell, Dad, I don't know if you remember, but it was horrible. My mom was so upset. We were like, she's like, I'm going to have all these women here in three days and the house smells horrible. I mean, you walked in and you're like taken out. So we had potpourri going on the stovetop. Y'all remember those days, anybody? Before diffusers, you know, we didn't have essential oils. And as I was thinking about that story, it reminded me that in the same way, that little bait filled our whole house with a nasty odor, a little offense unchecked can consume your heart. Anyone who's trapped animals to be successful, you know the trap has to be hidden and baited. And that's what Satan is. That's the same way he he functions. John 10.10 says that Satan is out to kill and to steal and destroy you. And he uses these strategies in his deadly traps. He's subtle, he's crafty, and he delights, he delights, he delights in deception. And one of the most deceptive kinds of bait he uses is what every one of us has encountered, and that's offense. But if we consume it, if we feed on it, we will become offended. You know, I like to talk to when people are struggling with something. I'm like, hey, don't have, don't sit down and have a picnic with them and be like, okay, well, I'm just going to kind of taste it and see what it feels like. No, things like this, we have to be aggressive about getting them out of our lives. You know, the definition of offended is an annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult or disregard for oneself or one's standards or principles. I'm going to be using several verses this morning. Some will come up on um, on the screen. And we're going to start off with Luke 17, 1. Then Jesus, then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. And the Greek word for offended here is actually the word scandalon. And the word originally referred to the part of the trap which bait was attached. Therefore, this word, this word offended actually signifies laying a trap in someone's way. And the New Testament often describes this entrapment as used by the enemy for us. Offense is a tool of the devil to bring people into captivity. In Matthew 24, 10 through 13, Jesus is describing the end days. You know, he, we do not know uh, August 25th, that's my anniversary, August 25th, 2025, Jesus is coming back. We do not know the day or the time, but the word says, Jesus says, you will know the season. And as he's describing the end days, it says this, and then many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end will be saved. Guys, offenses are everywhere. You can go on the news and get offended. You go on social media and get offended. You say something, it wasn't politically correct. You say it a different way and it wasn't politically correct to someone else. You are in the line to pick up your kids at school and you can get offended by the mom in front of you in her car. You can go to awards assemblies and get offended that your child didn't get all the awards that Cindy's kids got and their, her kids get the awards every single awards ceremony, right? Do you have any amens, anybody? <laughs> right? Um, I love my boys and they did get awards, but you know, there was, I had to start praying up before I go to awards assemblies because I'm like, funny how that kid always gets the merit award. I mean, really? Like, you know, but I'm saying there's, and I'm, we laugh at this and there's big offenses and there's small offenses. And so today there's, you know, there's so much material. I could have done a series on this. And so if there's some area that you're like, dude, she did not even mention this. Don't get offended because I just don't have enough time. Okay. So back to 
this scripture that Jesus is talking about. So as we see, like I just said, there's going to be people offended in the world all the time. You do not have to go very far to find somebody offended. But this specifically, he's talking about believers. He's talking about the end days of the church. And the reason we know that is because in verse 12, he refers to the love of many will grow cold. The word love here is actually agape. It's called this the unconditional love that Jesus offers us. And what he's saying is in the end days, if we don't if we are not careful, we, the church, will get offended and our unconditional love to people will grow cold. In the time when we really need to be unconditionally loving the world and each other, if we live in offense, our love, our ability to love someone over and over and over will grow cold. And that's what will happen. And we want to be the end who endures to the end and be saved, right? The spirit of offense is in our church. Not specifically this church, but the church at large. So it's, it's not just say, well, well, because I go to church, I'm not offended. Because this truth goes out of these walls. Barna Research, um, he does, they do a lot of research on the church and trends. In 2017, they, I don't know if they coined this phrase or if they use this phrase, but it's a growing population in our church, in the, well, actually in America, called de-churched. And de-churched people are people who used to be part of a church. And for whatever reason, actually, they haven't done research on it specifically why they've left. I'd be interested to know. But it's growing. It's people who actually used to go to church. They don't go anymore. And they actually, 89% of them say, I have a personal relationship with Jesus that affects my daily life. So these are people who really love the Lord, but they don't go to church. And I'm curious, you know, if we had more teaching on offense, um, are there many people in that group that have been offended? I know many people that have left the church, and it's because well, I was hurt by the church or I was offended by the church. And my encouragement to us today is that we be aggressive about this area so that we don't end up being, it's 10% of America right now are de-churched. And so this is a message for unity for our body and a, church, a message for the church at large. The reality is, is we will be offended. And the question is, is what will your response be? How can we escape the snare of the enemy? Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 24-26, that we can repent, choose truth, wake up, and escape the snare of the enemy, or we can be taken captive to do his will. And guys, this is kind of a heavy message. Um, I've struggled with this message because it's, it is a little heavy, but it's so much truth. There's so much freedom in it. And that's what I really want you to hear. You can choose in your life to escape the enemy snare or be taken captive. And I don't know about you, but I want to do everything I can to escape. Um, and isn't that the truth? How are you going to respond? That's so many times the choice. How are you going to respond to your spouse? How are you going to respond to that boss who you feel like you've been treated wrong? But the important thing is we always need to remember that our responses always determine our future. And I could talk on this forever. Another area that I feel passionate, passionately about, if you know me, is, is the reaping and sowing. And we cannot um, sow, we cannot reap things we don't sow. You know, if I was to eat McDonald's every day for six months, I probably would not be able to wear my clothes, Right. I'm, um, I'm sowing into something and I'm going to reap the benefits. Well, that's a spiritual law, though, too, guys. 
we will see this, and we'll see this throughout today, but this is an area that, um, that we, need to, we need to be aware of, is that our choices and how we respond to offense will affect your future. One way I set myself up for offense is I require certain expectations from people. And, you know, when we're talking about offense today, um, those, that are, those that hurt the most, offenses that hurt the most are from people that we really love that we've trusted, that we've walked closer with, we've poured into, and, and, and deep, deep offenses. And then, you know, when you get offended by someone on the road or someone at the grocery store, you normally don't go to bed and agonize over, I can't believe that guy cut me off. I'm still unpeaceful about it. I mean, hopefully that's not your case. But if someone that you really love totally wounds you and totally offends you, it can really mess you up. And so that's why we're going to talk about this today, is we're going to talk about why we get offended, our natural bent when we get offended and how we can let go of it and let God fight our battles and be our defender. Something I do want to mention, you know, when we are taken captive into this area of, of, of offense, ugly fruit comes out. Jealousy, envy, it may start with a little bit of that and some anger can come in and then it can go on out to full hatred. And I love the fruit to root. If you know me too, I love anytime there's ugly fruit in our lives, there's always a root. And we have to take the root out. We can't just cut it off. Um, when I ask my boys to go, you know, pull weeds, you know, if they just snip it at the top and then just it looks like they pulled it, in a day or two it's going to grow back. But I mean, when you fully, that, anybody like to garden? I know, I'm not a gardener, but I've moved into a house that has massive flowers. And the one thing I have actually learned to enjoy is when you pull up something and the root comes out and you're like, oh, does, does anybody else agreement? Yes, it just feels good. And that's what we're wanting to do today in this area. We want the Lord to come and just like, Lindy, take it out, take out the root. And what happens is we leave a hole. So we want to fill it with the Lord, right? And not other offenses that are going to be uglier. And like with your marriage and you act like, oh, Let's just sweep this under the carpet. That went all back in the carpet. And it looks so nice under that rug. And then months later, that same issue keeps coming back. That offense that you had with your spouse that you were like, uh, I'm just going to, it's going to get better. Guys, we have to go there. And when you get married, you add a whole nother area of ability to get offended, right? Right? Let's just, it's things your spouse does or does not do. Sin that your spouse does or does, it struggles with. Children, and once you have children, it opens up a whole nother. I told my boys, I'm like, I'm not going to share any personal examples with, about you today, but let's just admit it. Things our kids are like, oh, I wish, you know, that offends me about you. The way you said that offended me about you. Your actions offend me. Your boss. I mean, like the list goes on, right? And so today we hopefully are going to get some freedom in this. So my sermon in a sentence, you're like, wow, you're just now sharing the sermon in a sentence, is um, when we resist the trap of offense. We will not only walk in freedom, but see God as our defender. He really wants to be our defender. And we're going to talk about the life of David. If you want to turn over to 1 Samuel 16, I'm going to do a really quick overview of the life of David. But as I'm talking, I want you to think about the way that Saul handled offense and the way David handled offense. I love David. Um, Tiffany got me on the audio, daily audio Bible. So I've been doing it this year. We've been going through um, the life of David. And it's been so fascinating, so encouraging to me just to remember how aggressively he was. He was so aggressive to keep his heart clean. 
I love reading the Psalms. And even this week, I was like, I just randomly opened up the Psalms. And almost all of them start with like, where are you? My enemies are right at my doorstep, you know. And then he kind of goes into this dumping the Lord. And then he always ends up with, you are glorious. You know, may the nations know your praises. I mean, he always, and it's like a cycle with him. And I think that's why he's called and made it for God's own heart, because he was so real with the Lord. Guys, he's so big, he can hear your disappointments, your, even your things that you're offended about the Lord. He's big enough to hear, right? Okay, so we're going to start in 1 Samuel 16. We start with um, Samuel anointing David. He comes to the house of Jesse. And Jesse brings all of his sons, and God, he's going in the line, and God keeps going, no, it's not him, no, it's not him. He goes to the very end. He's like, hey, is this all you have? And he's like, oh, well, I've got the youngest. He's a shepherd. He's out in the fields. And so they go get him, and obviously he's the one that God wants to be anointed as the king of Israel. So if you can imagine Samuel, I mean, David, like, wow, this is a big deal, thinking that this is going to be like the high life, right? Like, oh, man, I'm going to be king one day, and I mean, King Saul's going to bring me in. He's going to train me. He's going to love me. He's going to, I'm going to be the best king following him. Well, that's not the way it happened. And those of you who know the story of David, you know that what happens. We see next, the next end of this chapter, that Saul begins being tormented by an evil spirit. And they call, they find out that David plays the harp. They bring him in. He plays music and there's peace on Saul's heart. So again, David's thinking, okay, well, this is good. Next thing we know, he's back out helping his dad in the fields. He comes to bring his brother's lunch. The Goliath story, right? Huge Philistines making fun of the armies of the living God. David's like, I don't think so. He gets the rocks. He uses the slingshot, and he knocks Goliath down. And now I'm sure David's like, okay, this is it. This is my moment. This is the beginning of it all, right? Well, not so. So we see how actually this event shifted things for David. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 6 through 9, I'm going to read this. Now it happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women had come out of the cities of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the women sang, and as they danced, they said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Uh-oh. That probably wasn't the best thing to say, right? Because Saul did not handle offense well. Then Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. So things begin changing for David. We even see the next day um, Saul tried to, to kill him twice. David alluded both of those times, obviously. And then Saul's like, okay, well, if I'm not going to be able to kill him, I'm going to send him out. I, he, so he began putting David over thousands of troops. But the deal was, was God was with David. He was successful in everything he did. So then David, so then Saul's like, okay, we got to have plan C. Well, Micah, um, Saul's daughter, became in love with David and they wanted to get married. And so David, um, Saul's like, okay, I got this one. David, go bring me the foreskins of a hundred Philistines and I'll give you Micah. Thinking this is going to take him out. Well, for those who know the story, he comes back with 200 foreskins of the Philistines. And we won't talk about that right now. But I mean, I was like, wow, that's, a, that's intense. So Saul's like, um, it says in chapter 18, verse 28, 
that Saul knew the Lord was with David and he became even more afraid of him. So now Saul's jealousy is becoming paranoia. And it gets to the point where he just finally go, this is it. He's full blown, sends all his troops to run after David. So David's now escaping. You know, it was 15 years from the time that David was anointed to when he became king of Israel. Y'all, that's a long time. We had to wait six months for something. And we're like, really? Come on. I mean, talking 15 years. It's a long time for God to do the work that he had. And God could have stopped this before then. This was not out of his hands. But he sometimes allows stuff to happen. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Because what happens next is David is in the cave with his mighty men. Saul comes in. He doesn't see him because they're back hidden in the cave, which is hard for us to understand. I have been to Carsville um, ca- Caverns. And I can imagine, I mean, you're way back there and no one's going to see you, right? And you can see people coming in. He comes in to relieve himself. Well, David very quietly comes and cuts the end of his robe off. Saul leaves. And when he's a little far off, David says this in 1 Samuel 24, 11. Moreover, my father. See, he, he considered Saul like a father to him. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is no evil or rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. This was a test for David. God set up circumstances so that David's heart could be tested. Do you know he does that with us? It happens in my life a lot. (laughs) I'll be like, why is it happening? Or why did I hear that? And I, sometimes I hear the Lord say, I wanted you to hear that. I'm testing you, Lindy. And he's not testing us because he's a bad father. He's testing us because he's a good father. And he wants us to have victories in our tool belt, y'all. He wants us to know, yes, I can say no to that temptation and walk away. And he wants us all to be, have sometimes to be humble and be like, wow, I really messed up. I mess up in parenting all the time. I mean, I feel like I'm constantly with my boys, like, Dude, I'm so sorry. Dude, I you do use the word dude sometimes. Dude, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have responded that way. But guys, he wants us to have victories. He wants us to have deep character so that when David, David could have justified killing Saul. Saul had been after him. Saul had killed thousands of innocent people. David could have done it, but he did not want to touch the Lord's anointed. And he wanted the Lord to be his defender. And we're going to talk about this later on, but the Lord desires to be your number one defender. And just like David, he will defend you. That's the deal, guys. Here is the deal. Just like the rock climber we were looking at, it takes a lot of work to scale that wall, especially if you're carrying a heavy load of offense. That's not a heavy word. It's just a reality. But if you find yourself wanting to move up that mountain where you can really experience all the Lord has for you, you will get stuck with this area in a fence. Your foot will slip over and over. There was one picture, I was looking at all these mountain climbing pictures. I found it, then I couldn't refine it, so I was like, okay, I guess I'm not supposed to show it. But it was literally this girl, she's like hugging the mountain, and it's like she was stuck there, and she had nowhere to go, and I was like, that can be us if we don't deal with this area of offense. And for me, I think the reason I'm passionate about this message is because I know that the call of life on my life, the call that God has for me will be kept off if I live in offense. 
if I walk around and have offenses and people that I haven't forgiven, I will be, I will be limited to how God can use me. And that's the truth for all of us. So there's two people who are offended here. There's two categories. There's people who think they've been offended, and there's people who actually have been offended. We've all probably been in both. There's been times that we thought we were offended. We thought someone said was out to get us. I can't believe they said that. And then when we actually go maybe go and talk to them or find out, they're like clueless. They're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was not meaning that to hurt you. Right? Does anybody? Amens? Or we perceive things that really weren't out to get us. And then there are those that are really um, treated unjustly. And I know in this room, there are deep wounds from people that have done things that have caused you to have to be, to be offended and to be wounded. And I encourage you this morning, my, my whole message is to keep moving, to keep doing the hard work. If you need to get with your life group leader, get friends to pray for you, go through listening prayer, that's a great first step. Get counseling. Do whatever you need to do to help you move forward in this area because you do not want to get stuck on the mountain and your foot keeps slipping and you wonder, why does this keep happening? Why do I keep circling the mountain? There's answers. And the Lord wants to meet you at every yes and help you. So we're going to go into why, what we do when, with offense. So on your little outlines... Um, I'm a big note person. Con and I love to take notes. And obviously, he's not even taking notes because he's heard this message so many times. He, he gave me great feedback, so he actually probably could preach it. Um, what we want to do with offense, many times we want to blame others. Many times we want to blame someone that has offended us, and we want to blame them for everything else going wrong in our lives. Has anybody ever done that? We want to... Say, well, because this boss didn't give me that promotion, now my family is going to have to live this way and we're not fully doing what God wants us to do because of that person. No. Or youth children, not children, youth men and women of God. You know, because my parents made this decision for me, I've missed the boat and I'm forever going to miss the plan of God for my life. No. Or my spouse. Or that pastor, oh, he didn't see my gifting or my, uh, you know, he didn't see, he or she didn't see my gifting and I should be doing this, and but I'm doing this. No. John Prevere says this, and this is a quote that I've, I love from this book. And it says, no one but God holds your destiny. No man, woman, child, or the devil can ever get out of you the will of God. No one but God holds your destiny. Guys, you are not orphans. You are not victims. We do not serve a God who is scarcity. He's a God of abundance. And you, when we walk in orphan spirit, that's what we will reap. When we sow into, I'm less than, my life is this because of this happened to me. No, God wants to redeem every hard thing you've been through. It says in Matthew that he wants to make good come out of every situation in your life. For those who love him are called according to his purpose. If you love him and you're wanting to do his purposes, he can, he can trump any situation in your life. But if you live in the victim mentality and always blaming someone else for your life, you're going to stay stuck. You're the only person that's in charge of your destiny. No one has that much power. Lisa Prevere, her, her husband, says, no one has that much power. Are you kidding me? Really? Think about it. Do you think a boss can thwart God's plan for you? No. 
Okay, I'm going to start preaching now. No. <laughs> Secondly, we love to defend ourselves. You know, I mean, it is so easy to want to just defend. When someone says something, you're like, oh, that's not true. Or da da. And, um, you know, I. Is, is that anybody else do that? You know, I, I do. I can struggle with that. I love feedback, though. You know, Micah is trying to, not he's trying, he is creating a culture on our staff of feedback and how feedback, we should crave feedback. We should want people in our lives that say, sister, the way you, you talk to your husband, is it's, it's a little disrespectful. And for us to be like, you know what? You're right. Thank you. We are blinded. We need people walking with us. And, you know, I, I was thinking about, we want to defend ourselves, though. And anytime anybody comes to you, especially if you offer like, hey, I want feedback. And they say, hey, well, this, this, this. And you just feel that thing you want to rise up and you're like, oh, I want to defend myself. I want to make, no, that's really not my heart. No, that's really not what I meant. No, that's really, you know, just let it low, let it go. Many times that's the word sometimes the Lord has for us. Even if it's done harshly, out of love, not out of love. Um, but you know, I remember I, feedback, and it's hard when you get feedback about your kids. Kid, people don't sometimes want feedback about their kids. It's just because it feels so personal, right? Um, I remember Lexi one time came to Hawaii. I still remember we were in Chili's, and she was like, hey, the way you're talking to, to one of your kids, it's, it's a little, you know, it's a little harsh. And I've noticed it the last few days. And I was like, oh, really? You know, you're like, oh, okay. It was the Lord. And we want to be people that have people speaking life, but we don't want to always try to defend ourselves. There's many times, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, that we want God to be our defender. But what happens when, when we're really offended and we want to defend ourselves? It's like a road, and we stand in the way of God being able to become our defender. Because we're like, no, I'm going to defend myself. No, mm-mm, mm-mm. And he's like, no, really, I would really love to defend you, and I do it so much better. I've seen this in my life, guys. I've seen it so many times when I get out of the way. God has always defended my character to someone that I felt like misunderstood me. He's done it through dreams. He's given people dreams about me. Literally, that's he's, he loves us so much that he'll actually go to someone's sleep and defend you to them. Is that all amazing? And he's so creative. He can do it. And when we try to defend ourselves, we just kind of sometimes stay in the way and God's like, really, I'll just move out of the way and let me to be your defender. Sometimes he says, be still and know that I'm God. And sometimes being still is just keeping our mouths shut. Now, that doesn't mean we, sometimes we need to make ourselves like, hey, this is my heart. I, I, I'm, you know, make things right. But sometimes we just don't need to defend ourselves. So what does God want us to do with our offense? So we want to blame others. We want to defend ourselves. But God wants us to forgive. I know we always come back to this. This whole summer, um, Jamie and I were talking about how many of the messages have this message of forgiveness in it. And this is, I'm not going to go off um, a long time on this. Kim's going to preach the word in a couple of weeks, and she's got a powerful, powerful life that lives forgiveness. But guys, there's no way around it. Matthew 6 says, you forgive, you'll be forgiven. You don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. I mean, it's very clear. Jesus eliminates any gray areas for grudges. We as believers cannot walk around carrying grudges for people and unforgiveness. And, I, you know, I also sometimes struggle when I hear people that don't, that won't allow other people to come reconcile with them. Does that make sense? I know people that have been like, well, I'm, she wants to come make things right, but I'm sorry, it was too, it was too hurtful. And so she's, a, she's block, blocking the ability for someone else to have reconciliation. And we can't do that either. 
We need to forgive and we need to allow people who want to make things right with us to be able to do that. Secondly, we not only want to forgive, but we want to let him be our defender. I kind of touched on this, but guys, I've seen this in my life. I've seen this in my life in every sphere. When I was a nurse, I saw this in my life. I've seen this in my personal family life. I've seen this in personal friendships. I've seen this in ministry. That God really does want to become our defender, and he will. But we have to keep our hearts clean like David. We have to allow the Lord to defend us. And God doesn't need you to be justice for him. God is a God of justice. Romans 12 says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to revenge. I will repay. As far as, you know, letting God be our defender and forgiveness, it's so much in our the battlefield of our minds. I love Joyce Myers. I love um, her Battlefield of the Mind book. That's another one. If you struggle with taking every thought captive, um, it's so good. And you know what's something she says? She goes, you know, there's no drive-through breakthroughs. We want them. I love, I mean, she said that one time. I used to watch her um, when my kids were little. She came on at 10 o'clock in the mornings, and so I would get the boys out, and I'd be watching Joyce go for it. And she'd be like, you know, we're in a drive-through culture. We want it fast, 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 and we want our breakthrough in the, you know, the three minutes as we're driving through Wendy's drive-through. And she's like, there's no drive-through breakthrough. And I'm like, yes, this is work. And so to keep our hearts clean and free from offense, forgiveness is hard work, guys, but it's so worth it. Letting God be your defender is work because sometimes you just have to be still and let him fight for you, but it's so worth it. And this last point, the how he wants us to respond to offense, is he wants us to respond in the opposite spirit. And this is hard. He's saying if someone curses you, you bless them. He says if someone asks for your shirt, you give them your coat too. If he says go with me a mile, go two miles. And this is really easy to go, oh, yeah, respond in the opposite spirit. But this is really hard when someone you love responds with you with impatience. And what's your natural impatience, right? Well, if you're going to be impatient with me, I'll be impatient with you, right? Or someone snippy at the, at the store and you're like, well, gosh, that was really rude. And you just want to snap back. I mean, our natural, our natural flesh response is that. So let's read real quick. Galatians 6, 8 through 9 says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And I'm here to tell you guys, I promise you without a doubt that responding in the opposite spirit and responding in unconditional love will always win. You will always win. It's not a maybe, maybe respond in the opposite spirit, maybe forgive and see, maybe God may come to your rescue. All the time, 100%, he will come. He desires to come and be your defender. He desires to walk alongside you in those areas that are really hard, that have really hurt you, and come and bring full healing, full restoration to you. It's his business. He does not want you walking around in hopelessness. That is not the Lord. He's a God of hope. He's a God of the great exchange. He wants to exchange hopelessness for hope. He wants to exchange. When you, and guys, this is where there's people that I've had struggles with that I'm talking months in my quiet time. Yes, Lord. I mean, when you come and just say, oh, why do they keep coming up? Lord, I'm trying to worship you. It's because the Lord's like, I really want you to deal with this. 
I really want you to get it to place from peace. And when you go after it and you speak live to them and you have opportunities and you say, I'm going, this happened this week. Not with anybody in this church. I was in a text service with someone and something they said, and I was like, you know, I'm just tired. I'm tired of playing this role. You know, this, I mean, this is my flesh. And the Lord was like, respond this way. And I'm like, oh, but you know, respond in the opposite spirit. And when I did, it was like it was released. And I really didn't care about her, her response was going to be to me. Does that make sense? And that's what happens when we fully walk in freedom from offense is we're not tied with people's expectations for us. And I'm fully willing, I'm fully okay to love you without ties, without, oh, I'm love you, I'll pat you on the back, you're going to pat me on the back. No, I'm fully, it's what we do not want to grow cold in our unconditional love with people. And this area is so easy to happen. So we want to be people hard to offend. I'm just going to share a story. And I'm out, I had several stories. I was trying to pick which one. And I think I landed on this one just because it's, it, it tells you about the process. So in, uh, in Hawaii, I led a ladies group for several years. And it was um, sweet. I loved it. It was life-giving to me. I saw God do major things. And towards it's about going on about three years, kind of morphed in different things. And then some interpersonal conflict started happening within the group among the women. And I found myself at a coffee shop with actually a really, it was, she was a close friend of mine, someone I poured into it who had come to learn, to learn, who'd come to know the Lord um, in this group. And she just, um, I mean, wow. I've never had a conversation with someone that was that just like offensive. She was hurt. She, you're this, you're this, you're this. And I was like, I was so taken back. I was so hurt. I was so um, shocked. And I wanted to defend myself and go, really? Well, what about your da-da-da-da-da-da-da, right? But I didn't. I, I was so overwhelmed. All I could say was, wow, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how the conversation ended. Went home, felt that sick gut, like I'm going to throw up, like my world's falling apart, um, cried for how many days? I mean, it's like, Lord, and it was, it was, it was personal, but it was on a ministry, uh, area too, which to me is personal. And, and also I don't want to represent the Lord in the wrong way. So I would hate for someone to think, you know, I would hate to make someone think something of the Lord is, is not true or distorted because of me. Does that make sense? So I worked through this. Some other stuff happened and I, months of working and, and praying and there came an opportunity where the fellow Lord was like, you need to go to her and just, you need to completely apologize. You don't need to defend yourself. You don't need to try to convince her that, that what, what her views were. And through that process, I asked the Lord, Lord, what does she say? Is, some, is there truth to some stuff? And he was able to pinpoint, yeah, Lindy, this is, she said, she said a little harshly, but this is some truth. Or this is may have been said the wrong way, but yeah. So I was able to take some things and be like, Lord, okay, I want to change in the way these areas where she saw me. So I went to her house and when I walked in, it was like something fell over me and it was like all my hurt, all my offenses. It was literally like it was gone. And I was able to just like, I want to bless you. I am so sorry for anything. And I was expecting no apology. I didn't get an apology that day, but I will say through time, God has completely restored that relationship. He gave her a dream about me months later 
you know, and she was a newer believer, so she's like, it's so weird, I got this weird dream about you, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is, this is funny, it's a pattern, the Lord's defending me, I mean, this is why I didn't say that to her, but I, that was my thought pattern, and, and I, and I tell you that story, because, and it sounds so like, oh, you know, that sounds pretty trivial, but it wasn't for me, it was a really, really personal thing, and I tell you that story, because the Holy Spirit can come and he can allow you to make things right with people. And it's not always complete restoration like our, like what ended up with us, but you can walk where as far as you, as, as far as it is with you, you're at peace with people. And it's the little ones that get us guys. It's the big ones, but it's also those little ones that we just think, oh, that's not, or your pride says, oh, that didn't offend me. In the back of your head, every time you see that person walk through those doors, you're like, oh, you know, or that person in your life group that you just had that personality conflict with, right? We've all had that. I don't have that right now with anybody in my life group, so in my life group. But, but, but the the reality is, there's that little that little personality thing. And then I've seen that move to Hawaii, and that same personality showed up. And I'm like, what? How did that happen? Because the Lord is like, hey, I really want you to learn to love people that are different than you. People that offend you because they have different interests or different political views or different views on how they live their life or how they spend their money. I mean, y'all, the area of offense, if you really think about it, is everywhere. And so we really want to be aggressive about this. So I'm just going to um, have you guys stand up. I'm going to have the ministry team come forward and the worship team. I love, I love, love, love ministry time. Um... I have seen significant breakthrough when I've taken a step and had someone pray for me. You know, many times God's stirring something in our hearts. He's like, yes, this is, this is the day for you. And we go eat lunch, we go take a nap. And then we're like, what was that? What was that God was stirring in me at church? Has that ever happened to anybody that happened, that's happened to me? But I love ministry time because it's a time when God is like, hey, this is a moment. And you never know when you're going to get the big breakthrough, guys. You never know when you're going to feel that thing lift. You're like, Oh my goodness, I feel light. I feel weightless. I feel so much freedom. And when we take steps of obedience, like getting prayed for, either coming here or having someone you love sitting next to you pray for you, we allow God to continue to work on our hearts. Our hearts, the wellspring of life, guys, we have to be aggressive about keeping them free of offense. If you want to come up and get ministry, we're just going to sing a song and I'm going to pray for you guys in a few minutes before I let you go. But Lord, I just do pray. If anybody, Lord, you're stirring on anybody's heart. You can pray for anything, Lord. A physical healing, a circumstance that feels impossible. We thank you that you are the God who sets the captives free. Thank you that if we are in the trap of the enemy, you want to come and set us free. We thank you that you Hold all the keys of the kingdom. So we ask, Holy Spirit, you to come and do that work in us right now.